Good afternoon. I'm Jordan Peoples, and Marvel sucks. I'm Cade Weiberg, and no, it doesn't. We are here today to talk about the first Disney Plus show of the year, entitled Secret Invasion. Um, we did the first episode when Jordan came to visit uh, six weeks ago. Our one and only in-person episode of the year so far. Hopefully not the last. Uh, only time will tell. And uh, we... What happened with the submarine? We were talking about a submarine. Oh, <laughs> and, yes. Uh, well, so while... We clear we, that up. While we were recording, yes. the submarine had yet to be found. And Correct. then by the time we stopped recording, the submarine was found crumpled into a little bit of nothing at the bottom of the ocean and that and people have been holding their breath waiting to get the news from this podcast they just refreshing refreshing what happened with this submarine thing what happened talk about and then secret invasion finally finished so we could record this episode yes um and here we are several days later uh, weeks, in fact, and I think it's safe to say that nothing of any significance has happened in Jordan's life over the past six weeks, so we're going to go ahead and jump into my <laughs> life. Um, what has happened with me? Uh, I saw the band Fallout Boy. They were really fun. Were they good? Uh, they're very good. Did they play um, my favorite song? Which one is your favorite? Loaded God Complex, cock it and pull it. Isn't that them? Oh boy, did they? That's <laughs> that's them. That's uh, Sugar, we're going down. Um, and that was their third song they played, and it was a heroic moment because uh, me and my BFF Keith got tickets, and we were in the the very very back, and my friend Jimmy was in the front row with much nicer tickets, and. Right before that song came on, he said, there's no one in the seats next to us. I'm going to text you our tickets, or my tickets, and you're going to use them to get to the front and then just sit here and no one will bother you. So we made it to the front row from the very back while Sugar Were Going Down Swinging was playing. And it was just this very uplifting moment that, uh, you know, from the bottom to the top and uh, while listening to a great song by them. Really, really great. Wow. Um, Try and I saw the band match. I saw the band uh, Matchbox Twenty. That's another band I saw. How also were they? Very good. What are their They're big really hits? good. They have. Um, I know them. I know them. You know them. Come on, list them all <laughs> off, big guy. <laughs> uh, I can't think of. I mean, they're all you kind know of. Them. They're they're the the Come on. the band with the number in their name that plays the slow ones. I feel like okay. That that's my associate with need... Matchbox Twenty. They're not Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> they're not Sum Forty One. They're Matchbox 20, and they're keeping it a little bit more chill. <laughs> but I'm going to need some names. Let's name some songs. Uh, there's one that's like one word. Okay. <laughs> Good. I want to say it's like Push or something. If it's not, hey, you got it. Is it Push? I want to push oh, you around. Oh, it's the Barbie around. movie song. Well, I will. It is the Barbie movie. Well, and we will talk about Barbie. And have you seen Oppenheimer? I have not. I am think I'm going to see okay. that this week. It is fantastic. Yeah. Highly recommend. Um, we can talk about other movies and such after you name a few more Matchbox 20 songs. Because I think this is a good new recurring bit we'll have on the podcast well, called Jordan's Matchbox 20 Corner. Well, Push was not the song that I was thinking of when I said the name of it. Okay. Uh, so you, But so you think they have another song that's just one word. Maybe. Well, no, I'm just thinking of another slow song that was really popular by them. Because that's not their biggest hit. Push is big. It's one of them. But there was an Push even bigger one. Push is very big. 
I don't know. Some people could argue Push. Um, but they do have equally big hits. <laughs> For a second, I was thinking that Hoobastank song. Oh, the reason. Yeah. That is incorrect. But that's kind of their Not... vibe. It's a similar... Uh, it wouldn't be crazy okay. to go to LimeWire, download the reason, and it be mislabeled <laughs> as Matchbox 20. How dare you? <laughs> um, okay, tell actually, me. I give up. Hold on. Did I tell you my, my Hoobastank story when I saw them last year? No, go ahead. Okay. The, uh, at Blue Ridge Rock Festival, you know, a heavy metal music festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoobastank was playing because aside from that, that sellout hit, I guess they're kind of like, you know, like a 90s kind of pop heavy metal, like Lifehouse. Or I mean, something they have like the that. name, the word stank. So I feel like they would have to be at least a little rowdy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we got there toward the end of their set while we were waiting for another band. And he plays The Reason, and everyone's cheering and singing along. And then the song ends. And you can tell they've just sang it a million times, and he does not enjoy it anymore yeah. because he wants to play like the heavier stuff, especially at a heavy metal festival. And he leans <laughs> into the microphone after he plays a song. He says, If you like that song, you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> and then and then they played a, a heavier song, and it was crazy. I was like, "Wow, really?" Just disgracing his own hit that has caused him to tour the world. Pretty wild. Um, that is okay, so name another it, Matchbox it, Twenty song. <laughs> there's, I feel like a lot of bands have that that one. Like, there's a clip of Brandon Urie right before uh, singing that the I write sins, not tragedies. Sure. Well, and, he has a lot. They have a lot of other hits. But right before that song, there's like in the clip, he just like looks down and goes like, "I fucking hate this song." I chime in with a. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that is a really good bit. He he will sometimes have, have like dialogue in between that break. Yeah. And he'll just get. Oh, what a great entertainer he is! I love seeing them live. He's been doing it for so long because they were there. That first album, he was really young. He was like he eighteen was, or something. Uh, I think, yeah, 18 when that came out. Which is crazy. Um, Can he, you imagine being successful like that at 18? Well, that first album wasn't like worldwide fame that they eventually But even, attained. I mean, I, I feel like I would have ruined my life so hard. I would not have been able to handle any success. Uh, sure. I mean, I don't know. I think you just kind of ride it out. And you start small. Like, it's very gradual. It just happens faster but it is still you are doing more in a year's time but you're doing the right amount of steps like you're still playing clubs of 200 people yeah. and you're playing like 20 of them you're just doing it in like two months or i just so. feel like it would have gone to my head i think i uh, would have uh, if there was any hype around me i think i would have bought into it too hard <laughs> well are you aware with the drama within their band because that basically happened to him yeah well uh, yeah because they released that first album, it was a hit, and he was the last person to join the band, I believe, because they needed a singer. Um, and Ryan Ross and the other guy, who I can't remember, the bass player, were like the founding members, and they were like, it's our band, and then he just became the voice of the band and such an iconic voice and singer. And then for their second album, Ryan Ross is like, let's go to a cabin in the middle of the woods and write Beatles songs. And I think their second album is their worst, because... No one should try to be the Beatles. Just be your own thing. Especially the change of pace from that other album. Yeah. Uh, so then 
Brendan Urie kicks them out of the band uh, and moves on with the drummer. And then the drummer goes to like rehab and then he's like, well, you're out of the band too. So it just becomes the Brendan Urie band. Yeah. Uh, well, the because, shins, you know, the shins kind of did a similar thing. I don't know if it was like as acrimonious, but their first couple albums, there is a band. And then by the time um, I can't remember what the name of the album is, but it's the one that has simple song on it. Uh, OK, everyone is gone except for the lead singer. Yeah. And it's like, is, is this even a band? Like, it's as yeah. much of a band as the Wings were the Beatles. Like, if, if Paul McCartney had the Beatles, all the Beatles left, and then he brought in the Wings people, but still kept yeah. calling it the Beatles. It's like, it's just not it's, anymore. Yes, there's the same creative, lead creative person is still in it, but it's not the same band. Like, uh, Leonard Skinner has become like a Ship of Theseus type band yeah. with the... Uh, the nephew to, and i think there's one original member still alive but the nephew is like the singer and when the original member dies i assume the nephew will carry on the name of the band yeah uh even though it's no founding members are alive so such a strange what a what a wild world fame creates for you i, um, I would have really it, been curious to see how the original crew from Leonard Skinner would have adapted to the changing times. Like how would they have, because they, you know, had the Confederate flag as a big part of their iconography. Would they have yeah. distanced themselves from that at some point? Cause I think the I, guys that yes. came in after it have embraced it in a way that I, yeah. but I feel like the original band might've been socially conscious enough to move away from it. I don't know. I think they would have done like what the Dixie chicks did. Yeah. And it was much easier for them. They just have to not like come up with a new logo. Yeah. And still be called the same thing. Like, bands do that all the time. Uh, so that wouldn't have been as much of a problem. Um, Panic at the Disco is disbanding, if you didn't hear about that. I mean, it's just the one guy, but he's retiring. Gotcha. Uh, it was... It's so... I really hate when bands drop a new album that isn't very good, and they play the entirety of that album, or most songs of the setlist are from that album. Yeah. Um, which is what he did on this most recent tour. He dropped an album that was not regarded very highly. Uh, and he's like, I'm going to double down and people are going to see how good it is because I'm going to play the entire album as part of our world tour. I could, I can see it, the impulse to do that because just like, well, maybe you didn't like the recording, but you, you got to hear what I hear and I'll do it live. I'll show you finally what it actually is. I guess, but if you're like buying tickets to a show and you don't like this album and you're just like... you. Especially if you love the band. If you love the band and you have loved every album except that one, like that is just a slap in the face. Well, speaking of new albums, have you listened to the full Blur album? Oh, uh, I have not listened to all of it. I have listened to all the singles and maybe one other one. Yeah. I, I put it on when it came out and then I listened to most i shuffled it and i heard mostly the singles and maybe one or two other songs before i had stopped listening it's in my shuffle though it will be in my rotation for a while but i do really enjoy what i've heard yeah i uh took a walk the other morning uh since i've had free time after uh the bar is ended this was like friday so the bar i I guess i was two days out from it you're talking about a bar that you went to to drink beer yeah and i was two days out from that bar and okay. uh, <laughs> I, it was like a windy for July cool morning that I was taking yeah. a walk. And that album very much fits that move. It's, it's very um, oh. nostalgic and kind of backwards looking. Uh, a lot of interesting kind of soundscape stuff going on. Yeah. Very atmospheric. 
uh, but I very much enjoyed it, like more than I expected to. I also, though, was yeah. a big fan of The Magic Whip, which was their last yes. album, which a lot of people, Correct. like I was I was looking on the Blur subreddit because I've never been a part of it, but I was curious what the reactions <laughs> to this album were. And a lot of people yeah. hated that album, but really enjoyed this album. Oh, interesting. The old switcheroo. But I, I think I just am a big Damon Albarn fan in general. So yeah, well, it wasn't Magic Whip recorded in like five days or something crazy. It was, and and then it was kind of cobbled together by Graham Coxon, who's the guitarist. Who I always feel like yeah. uh, I do think Damon is where all the ideas come from, but all the mm-hmm. uh, the I, final like in, the finality of the song. Well, and like the the editing comes from. It's kind of like yeah. George Lucas. He used to be married to his editor, and that kind of constrained him. Because she was yeah. a good limiting force to his crazy idea person. And yes. that is an underrated uh, skill Pe- in a creative yeah. enterprise. It's just being the person that says, actually, maybe we dial this back here. Maybe we yeah. tone it down a little. The person totally. with the reins. But anyway, yeah, I was very impressed by it. And I'm uh, excited to have a new Blur thing that is... That's just in your rotation. Yeah, because it's been eight years since their last... Yeah, I remember that was uh, right before uh, you moved away. Um, we were listening to that in the car. You're showing me, and I really enjoyed the song Ong Ong. Yeah. That's weird to say. Song Ong Ong. I think your other one that you would like from that is Ghost Ship. That's the other one that's really kind of commercial and poppy. Maybe. You showed me the whole album, but Ong Ong was the one that really stuck out that I still play uh you know constantly no a lot of that one was very damon albarn which is like we're living in the future and it's a dystopia yeah uh you know it's a it's a cool vibe for an album and i'm excited to listen to more of it um well i guess there are some uh, other things i should mention that happened to me I don't know if well, you wanted to talk but, about but that, wait, some other that stuff. That doesn't make any sense because nothing relevant has happened to you in six I've, I mean, unless you figured out other Matchbox 20 songs in the past six weeks. <laughs> no, I haven't. But what is their big hit? Go ahead. Well, you got push. Yeah. You don't. All right. You don't. Give me Give me anything. Like, we're, I'll, I'll, I'll help you get there. But, like, give me something. I can't. <laughs> I, I genuinely can't think of anything. I feel like the only thing in my head is like a slight snippet of a music video where the saturation is way down and it's like looks sad and the guy looks wistful in early 2000s. <laughs> All right, hold on. I'm going to go into their Spotify and their number one song is Push. So you got number one. Huh. All right, now I'm going to play number two. I'm going to see... If you know the name or how long it takes you, just let me know when you recognize this song. Okay, perfect. <laughs> it's playing. Anything yet? Nothing yet. This is their number two? This is their number two on Spotify. By a large margin. You seriously don't know this song? Honestly, it sounds like Counting Crows to me. <laughs> well, that's also rude. I do like Counting Crows much more than Hoobastank, though. I would like the record to reflect that. I, okay, I feel like I am going to recognize this chorus. 
I hope so. <laughs> This is. I, I am surprised. This is their number two. What's their number three? Okay. You wait. So you you don't know that. You don't recognize. It sounds it? familiar, but not in a specific way. Like I could never have sang along to e- even a second of that. But it does sound like something I've heard really? before. That is just shocking. That just seems like it's on. It's been in every store, every chain I've ever been to. It is been on the radio in the store at some point in my life but that's not a song that you hear while walking around a store where you're like i gotta look this up <laughs> i need more oh, of this yeah, when i get home <laughs> oh man well you should have seen them live because they played this uh okay here's song number three i think this is the one that you are describing in a very poor manner yes this is the one <laughs> immediately Okay. I still want to get the chorus before they get there. I, I do too. I really want that for you. You really need more Matchbox 20 in your life, I gotta say. Like, hold on. Okay. Yeah, that's the pre-chorus. Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, what's the chorus? It's coming up. You got it. Name it now. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I'm well. I'm well. <laughs> you got it a second before they said the word. <laughs> but record time. Before. Let the record that- show. That is shocking. You really don't. Wow. I, I'm I don't know. Crazy. That, I'm just a those little three, Well, I'll play number four. This one, less of a chance of you knowing, but Hello. Hello. Uh, Hello. this was another one. This is similar to 3M that is just on everywhere, or was at the time. This is way faster than I associated with. Oh, they, I mean, they're a rock band, Jordan. They rock. If I only knew Push and Unwell, that would bias my perception. <laughs> you don't recognize this at all? No. This song Nothing. is a stranger to me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they all have been. <laughs> If this song walked um, past me on the street, I would, I would have no flicker of recognition in my eyes when we passed. <laughs> okay, uh, so that was Jordan's Matchbox 20 Corner, a new recurring segment that we will have on every episode from now on, uh, where Jordan catches us up on his stance toward Matchbox 20. Maybe next week I'll play songs from the 90s and ask you whether or not they're Matchbox 20. That'd be good. If you did a tricky list, that you could do pretty well, because yeah. there's a lot of people that sound like... <laughs> in the 90s that's rude that's rude um okay so i guess uh the one thing of note that happened to you in the past few weeks is you saw the barbie movie do you want to talk about it absolutely okay because it features our good friends matchbox 20 it sure does that was the funniest thing greta gerwig has ever done in her career and it also I just felt so attacked <laughs> but 
<laughs> but it was like it was the perfect combo. Well, I do feel like I have emotions. to mention a detail here that uh by the way, I got married and at the ceremony I What? <laughs> I played my guitar. <laughs> so I was like What? What a week after I play my guitar at my wedding, at the request of the bride's mother, might I add, uh, yes. there's a movie comes out. It's like, look at what all the douchebag men do. And I'm like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> it was a sweet moment when I did it. <laughs> yes. Well, would you like to give more? What we should, because uh, when you just say it like that as an elevator pitch, it does sound less sweet and more douchey. But what you actually did was uh, very romantic and... Uh, at the end of your ceremony, uh, after your vows had been recited and you kissed the bride, uh, you whipped out the guitar that your podcast co-host got for you yes. and made sure it was tuned and everything. There's actually, um, I was, I was, I got my guitar out the other day and I noticed there's still some hay in, oh, in yeah. the case well, from where it was <laughs> sitting. You got in the field. married on a farm. What were you expecting? Yeah, that's going to be. We're telling us so forever. backwards. So basically, yes, I did get married, and it was on a beautiful. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was on a beautiful farm, scenic view yes. that I can't wait to see the footage of because I haven't seen that footage yet. But I'm sure it's gorgeous. I'm yeah. I mean, the photos I took on my phone that isn't a four thousand dollar camera uh, turned out very good. Yeah, very photogenic farm. And then uh, we had a, a nice reception where me, Cade, and Nick got on stage and played some songs well, and then some songs poorly. But it didn't matter because everyone was that's, just so excited to be there. <laughs> we there. That's the pro, that's the promise of the. Uh, Samantha and Jack Hillard wedding experience 2K15. It's just a fun time, and we don't really practice before we play. So that's kind of the uh, yeah. the deal you're getting. But but and, it got everyone yeah. out to the dance floor, and then the dance floor was hot for pretty much the next uh, till the party ended. S- several hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a uh, it was a very fun wedding, and one of the better weddings I've been to. Yeah, um, definitely top three. They sent us um, home with the brisket. Like, like, oh my god, like, that I kept meaning to text you. That was the best meal I've ever eaten at a wedding, yeah. maybe in my life. No, it was so, and I only had one plate. Yeah, I'm so upset with myself because I had to give my speech, so I left my my food, and then dinner was done by the time I finished, and like everything was was moved on. Well, I uh, I so they sent us back with to go containers that were just filled with brisket, like solid brick of brisket inside, and we had about five of those i want to say and so from yeah. the end of the wedding until the bar that's the other thing that happened we'll get to it i guess uh i basically wait wait only ate like brisket the, the bar at the wedding <laughs> <laughs> exclusively ate brisket i had brisket and i had the sides that we had at our wedding just like reheated oh and, and chopped and like sometimes i, I would, would turn it into like a like a pulled brisket sandwich that sounds amazing yeah it was just brisket I, city I mean, I guess that food is very expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, but I imagine, you know, it was paid for by family as a gift and you got to yes. eat all of the remainder. Yes. And I, I, um, I ate a lot of brisket for a week straight. Oh, God. That was. I'm so jealous. I kept meaning to text you. Like, I had dreams about that <laughs> food for like three days. Yeah. No, and the <laughs> cake was, was really good, too. We got sent back with a lot of the cake. Um, I did not have... I think I had one slice of cake, actually. Cake was good, but the brisket was really what you write home about. Yeah, no, it was the the star of the show, for sure. That was for sure. The best thing to happen that day was that brisket. (laughs) It was up there, for sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> the most important thing. Um, oh, and then Cade gave a very uh, nice speech because he was my best man. That's relevant to the podcast. I, I, I did mention Marvel in the speech. Yes. Which, uh, yes. Um, you know, we'll do an episode down the line where I uh, recite the entire thing. But, uh, you know, today we're here to talk about the food and the, and the wedding. And that would have been funny if I'd recorded the speech and then inserted it into the podcast. That would have been funny. Uh, Didn't happen. I will also because when I was giving the speech, it's a it was in a big auditorium, like a huge room. Yeah, and I could hear myself. And this is just very whenever I give any speech ever in since college, like I try and get everyone's reaction uh, to certain things, but I can't hear the laughter from what jokes hit and don't like doesn't make it to me until several seconds after I've said it. Yeah. And like, I don't know if whether I should break for, you know, whatever or deli- like uh, laughter or just a pause to appreciate the moment or like the, like let that sentence linger kind of mm-hmm. deal. Um, but I did, uh, I, fi- I think I figured it out toward the end of the speech, but it was a, uh, it was an interesting, it was a fun room, um, and it was cool to hear, like, the laughter traveled from the back yeah. when I made a joke that landed. So It, it was a big room, and we couldn't have front. been further away, me and Ellie, from where you were speaking. Yes. We were... You were on the opposite side of a football stadium-sized room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had my little... Or a football field, My opera glasses out. Yes, you did. And, um... I mean, you also narrowly cheated death because the <laughs> camera person dropped a lens right on the back of your chair. Yeah. It, nearly decapitated. So there, there was like a walkway around. It's basically like a basketball a gym, an old basketball gym. And and the lady yeah. had a um, telephoto lens on the front of her camera. So like a big lens, big heavy lens. Mm-hmm. She was trying to take a picture from above of me and Ellie. And the lens fell off of her camera Which and also, hit the back just of a weird it angle. Would, I can't, yeah. Such a strange angle to get that photo like she's just getting your heads like eating at the table <laughs> yeah i don't know I'm, I'm sure we won't even see that picture but uh well, but then I the mean, lens fell and lens. it hit the back of my seat and if it had hit me that, in the head we would have had a very different wedding <laughs> could you imagine like the damper on the evening that <laughs> if i was been? concussed <laughs> yeah uh, yeah or i mean you know I'd, at I, very I, least have been a little bloody like there's no way that wouldn't have cut my head absolutely i don't you probably would have lived but yeah i mean you would be spending your wedding night in the hospital which you know what and then what do i do like as a guest of the wedding do i keep dancing i would hope so like as i'm being wheeled out i would have said hey everybody enjoy the party (laughs) jordan would want us to eat more of this brisket (laughs) while he's in the hospital that was yeah that was wild um all things considered, like, uh, you know, with also the hot, hot heat um, and taking photos outside and um, hosting your bachelor party the night before mm-hmm. and staying up late and being debaucherous. Um, yeah, it, all things went perfectly. They could not have gone better. In fact. Yeah, we, we went and, a little uh, hard on that that night, but it all turned out did. for the best. <laughs> it did. And you married a lovely girl who 
some wives, you know, uh, as soon as I take their soon-to-be husband out on the town and uh, get him very intoxicated the night before the wedding. Some brides be like, you're never doing a podcast with him again. <laughs> uh, Ellie was very cool and very uh, like, oh, boys will be boys. Yeah. Also, you seemed like more of a hero to Ellie's family after you did that. Yes. Which was fun. No. There's such a fun Southern uh, hospitality <laughs> no. kind Her of Her uncle, I think, thing. has always kind of... Uh, found me a little tough to pin down because I'm pretty quiet and reserved. And so then sure. when he asked me, it's like, so did y'all get up to anything last night? And I was like, oh, yeah, we were out to like 3 a.m. <laughs> he, I, I, His face like lit up. He was like, really? <laughs> I thought you were like a nerd. <laughs> well, I am, no. but. <laughs> Jordan parties harder than the rest of us. Yeah. Um in that particular instance. And your parents also sent me a lovely email thanking me for my speech and for taking you out on the town the night before the wedding, <laughs> uh, which was very sweet of them. Uh, they're very nice people. Oh, by the uh, way, so yeah. this is a this will make no sense for anybody else, but I oh, I'll just explain it real quick. I got everybody Beatles <laughs> records. Yes. Did you happen to take uh, Sergeant Pepper? I have yours. Okay. I have yours and I told you I was taking okay. it when we parted ways okay uh, perfect i do not remember that I also have your, but i was your music stand in my car this is stuff people are dying to know <laughs> what did Cade take home from jordan's wedding i have your vinyl record of sergeant pepper that you bought for yourself yes as a gift <laughs> to me as a gift for you on your wedding day uh and i have a stand for music that we did not use at all in my car. no it would have been nice though um, could have been helpful yeah maybe but uh, um uh and those are in my car, and uh, I have a birthday coming up that maybe you'll be in town for. Who knows? Uh, that's the plan right now. All right. You'll love to hear it. Maybe we'll do another live episode. What is, is there going to uh, be anything you, coming out around then? Um, I mean, we didn't watch Blade House of Cthon like we promised mm, in our last so that could episode. could be on there. What did we do? We just sat around. We watched nothing. We watched, uh, well, we watched fun stuff, but we didn't watch anything Marvel, maybe what we what could the do. fans want. This this could be an alternate. It's so it's not a podcast, but I could just get my phone and like for mm -hmm. three minutes at every brewery, we just have a little side conversation, <laughs> and then we I that stitch be, those all together. That would be actually incredible because for those of you who haven't listened to this podcast uh, ever before today, what an interesting episode to start <laughs> on know. part two of Secret Invasion <laughs> as we talk about Matchbox Twenty and Jordan's. If wedding. you were a stranger to this, you'd be like, "What? Why do these people think they?" I know them. That's <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> then you are as much of a stranger to this podcast as Jordan is to how far we've come by Matchbox Twenty. Um. Anyway, my birthday every year is the uh, annual brewery crawl where we attend every brewery in Charlottesville. So that would be hilarious if you followed me around as I progressively get drunker throughout the day. And we talk about Marvel for three minutes at each brew. Yeah. I think that would be a great episode. And it would it would um, be like 30 minutes. Though I'm sure, I, I feel like toward the end, those three minutes are oh, going we'll to start to stretch. Oh, we'll stretch it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll, I, that would be a, a lovely birthday gift to me that I will uh, hold you to now. All right. That's the plan then. So, Look uh, forward to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, can't wait. Can't wait for that. Um, so, yes, you got married. Uh, you... Proceeded to not listen to Matchbox 20 after you got married. And then you took the bar exam 10 days after your wedding. Mm -hmm. 
which has been mentioned on this podcast. I think everyone knew uh, that you were taking that. Yep. Um, but you're you're on the other side, and now you don't have to do anything until October. Is that correct? Well, I mean, there's plenty of stuff I need to do in terms of like uh, networking, job hunting, that kind of thing, being in a new place. But that's all boring and not interesting. But you know what is exciting? The bar exam itself. Okay. It was well, why don't you 12 hours. Should we open up the law corner? It was 12 hours over two days. And it was a bunch of people who all knew each other because they were, you know, from, they went to Tennessee. Pretty much everyone there was like Tennessee or um, LMU, which is another law school in town. Are you telling me you had zero friends at the bar exam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Goose no. egg. Not a single other soul I recognized. Not a seer, not a single friend. Yeah, But there was a ton of people sad. there. But the vibe on the first day, we had to get there at 720. And everyone was so nervous. Like the, the tension in the air was palpable. Everyone was freaking out. And then by the end, uh, I think everyone was just so relieved to be done. Yeah. That it was like, you know, uh, a, like a borderline jovial atmosphere for people who had just been sitting down for as long yeah. as we had had to be sitting down for his. What is the mentality when you finish part one and it's six hours and you go home knowing what you have to do the next day? Not great. That was pro that was the, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's hard to say whether right before the first day or the evening of the second day was harder. Well, the first day you're probably anxious. So you're a little wired. But the second day, you've t you've you're demoralized, and you know that you will be demoralized again the following day. Yeah, well, so th all of like the randomness on the bar is basically on the first day, because there that's where you have essays. So they yeah. make you study fifteen subjects for essays. Mm -hmm. There's fifteen areas you could be tested on, but there's only six yeah. essay questions. So wow. you like I spent like entire days just studying mm -hmm. something like uh, family law and the family sure. law can only show up on the essays and you know what it didn't <laughs> so i spent like a couple days this summer studying family law and it did not come up even slightly on the bar exam well what if you become a family lawyer then it might be relevant but it won't be relevant in terms of why i was studying for it did you not take any family law in class i did but still like you you oh. review stuff as part of the course you go back through and yeah uh, yeah, this all sounds miserable. I would never want to do it in a million years. I'm going to stick to my movie theater job. But anyway, like, so that's why the day one is really nerve wracking because you just don't know what essays are going to show up. And you've studied yeah. such a broad amount of stuff and it could be just any of these individual things. So that was really stressful. Multiple choice, though, you kind of know what's coming because there's 200 multiple choice questions. They're kind of going to get around to everything eventually, you feel like. Um, yeah. But the problem with that day is it's just grueling. Doing 200 multiple yeah. choice in six hours, like you basically have a minute 30 per question. And these are like questions with long fact patterns, complicated you've answers. you just been beaten into submission the previous yeah. day by all those. Like what did you do in between? Like you went home, did you study more? Or no. did you just like... I, I know some people yeah. did. There was even, I saw like at lunch on the second day, I saw a girl doing flashcards before she goes back in, and I'm like, that's crazy. Wow. Like, I think that that's is... just nervous energy. I don't think she's even trying to learn anything. She's just trying to keep her mind busy because she's so anxious. What if she was trying to learn stuff? Yeah. I saw a lot of That'd people crazy. 
not like in person or anything, but just like on the internet who were like, uh, it's like, oh yeah, I threw up like 20 minutes into the first thing. I was just so nervous. I had to go to the bathroom and throw up just because for a lot of people, there's just so much writing on this, including me. But like for some people, it's like they have their dream job, but it's contingent on passing this exam. That is, yeah, that, that I can understand how that would be. And also the nature of the exam is that if you get like 70% of everything right, you've passed. But what that means is that there's going to be a lot of uncertainty while taking the exam because they don't really expect you to know everything. So there are going to be gaps in your knowledge. But every time you hit one of those gaps, it feel it's demoralizing. It's like, well, that's another thing I didn't know. And that starts to stack up over the course of 200 questions. So even if you are doing well, like in, in, I remember in one of the practiced sets of a hundred questions that I did, the first one, I was like, I could get a 50% on this. Like, I I truly have no idea how I'm going to do. And then I turned it in and I'd gotten like a 75%. And it's like, okay, well, I guess, I guess that's fine. But like while taking it, the subjective feeling was that I was failing it. And so you have that mixed with it being in a, a kind of weird environment with a bunch of other stressed out people. And it is a, uh quite the experience i recommend it everyone should take the bar exam just for fun (laughs) once i I refuse (laughs) see now what if like matchbox 20 lyrics were on the test Mm. i would have failed i wouldn't have been ready but you would have been ready (laughs) i would have been and then i would have passed the bar how would that feel i'm not crazy i'm just a little sickly (laughs) i'm not crazy i'm just a little peckish right (laughs) That has a better meter. Um, so yes, uh, that. So what did you do as soon as you finished? What What was the first thing you did when you finished the bar? Uh, Ellie came to pick me up, and she was wearing okay. a Barbie shirt that she had got, and she had heart shaped <laughs> sunglasses because we were going to go uh-huh. to the Barbie movie. But then our tickets okay. weren't till seven thirty, so then we went to PF Chang's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that sounds like a good night. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And then you you watched the Barbie movie, which was, uh, you know, very delightful. It was. And that's what uh, this whole conversation was about. <laughs> we were talking about the Barbie. Yes, we it, got distracted a little bit. We, we got distracted for the setup to get to the Barbie movie, but then we got to the Barbie yep. movie. And we both really liked yes. it. Yes. Um, Greta Gerwig does no wrong. Love Lady Bird. Love Little Women. Um, I mean, what is what is set of three movies? I think is so interesting that she went Lady Bird, Little Women, and then Barbie because that's just such a wide span of things that she can do. When especially when you, the last movie I saw was Asteroid City. Yes, which we I believe we talked about on maybe well maybe you hadn't seen it at that point. But in any case, Uh, it's very much here. You saw it while you were here. He's a director who knows what he can do and he does it well. But it is a a thing. But Greta Gerwig can do anything. One thing that he can do, and he can do nothing else. Greta Gerwig can do anything. I don't like what he does. Um, Yeah, boo Wes Anderson, yay Greta Gerwig. Um, Yeah, uh, although she's now... All right, so this is also probably going to just segue into Marvel stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. because the state of the movie industry. I need to tell you about the weekend I had when Barbenheimer came out. Uh, it was the busiest weekend, 
and this was before I didn't work at this theater before COVID, so I wasn't, you know, sure. This was the busiest weekend I had ever worked. And then I asked the other managers after it was all over, and they said that was the busiest it has been since Avengers Endgame. Wow. And both Barbie and Oppenheimer came out on the same day, and people were speculating, like, which one's going to trample the other? Like, is the box office going to hurt? And the answer was, everyone saw both. Yeah. And we average... So I think record, like, our high post-COVID at the theater in my time there, and it happened a couple times, like, we've hit right under a thousand tickets, um, which is, like, a busy Saturday post-COVID. During all three weekend days of Barbenheimer, we broke 1,000 and made it, like, to 1,500 on Saturday, Mm. which is staggering. Right. Um, And... Even, like, the weekdays after that, uh, like, a Monday, normally, well, people actually see movies on Monday. Like, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are kind of, like, the dead day for, like, people don't really go to the theater as much. Uh, And both of those, like, 900 people bought tickets to see these movies. It was an insane cultural phenomenon. Um, Everyone dressed up. I talked to so many people um, who were just, like, so jazzed about it. And I was like, oh, what movies have you seen this year? And a couple of them told me they had not been to the movie theater all year, and they were here to see two movies back-to-back. Two movies that are complete opposite forces. Yeah, I could not... I mean, I just don't think I have the... Uh, I'm too ADD to sit through two movies back-to-back in general. Um, well, uh, friend of the show and guest of the show, Kyle Johnson, is currently at the theater. I got him tickets to watch Barbie, Oppenheimer, and the new horror movie, Talk to Me. So he's doing a triple feature of Is that the right A24 now, thing speak. with a hand? Yes, and it is quite good. Yeah, I want to see it. Ellie said she yeah. does not want to see it, even a little bit. It is m- maybe possibly the most brutal possession scene I've seen in a movie ever. That makes me want to see it more. Um, oh, it's really, really good. It's really low budget, too, so it's not. it doesn't feel like hereditary which is kind of like this slow family drama that with a huge payoff at the end this is just kind of like it feels like something uh it's not aesthetically like the Blair Witch at all but it feels like a low budget thing that's like shocking you at every turn kind Mm -hmm. of deal um so similar to that but it's it's just such a cool independent horror movie and you know it deserves the a24 stamp of approval uh, highly recommend. You should go see that and Oppenheimer. Both are very, very good. Well, we didn't really talk about Barbie, but the only thought I have about it is that when I watched the trailer, I was worried we'd be in Barbie world for like 10 minutes and then never return. But actually, they got a lot of mileage out of yeah. that that setting, which was interesting they to be visually exciting, like surreal. Like they really captured that plastic... 90s 2000s weirdness in a satisfying way um i wholeheartedly agree um returning to my previous tangent about barbie and oppenheimer um so the marvel movies that have come out this year are quantum mania which did not make a lot of movie or money um (laughs) (laughs) it was definitely a full movie uh Kind of. And honestly, I'm just, I'm going to give a little spoiler for our uh, Secret Invasion review. I prefer Quantum Mania, and I really, you know, I, I think people are too mean on the previous stuff. The fact that people hated Eternals, and now we have stuff post Eternals that 
you know, it's all good. I like all of it. But even I am like, ugh, why did you do this? Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, for anyone to just shit on Eternals. Uh, anyway, Quantumania doesn't make any money. Guardians 3 makes a lot of money, but not like a billion dollars. <clears throat> Barbie is going to make a billion dollars. Oppenheimer is an R-rated three-hour biopic. Not going to make a billion dollars, but it's doing very well. I think studios are also going to see, like, oh, Barbenheimer, we need to start releasing two movies at the same time, and it will generate as much hype, uh, which I think is going to really backfire on them in a spectacular way a well, year from now. I don't know what And are do, you but... familiar, back when Animal Crossing was coming out, Doom came out at the same time, and there was a bunch of also crossover stuff going on. So Barbenheimer kind of feels like a redo of that meme already. Except for it was way more mainstream. Like, this Doom Animal Crossing thing was like a Twitter fad. It wasn't like a... Oh, Doom. I thought you said Doom. No, like no, movie, Doom. The Denny Villeneuve movie. Okay. The video yeah. game with demons. Gotcha. So yes, it was like a sense. similar thing where it's like cutesy versus metal. Hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the internet is... I don't know if you've seen... Uh, Saw X, the 10th movie in the Saw franchise. Socks. And... Socks, yeah. Uh, um, that comes out the same day as Paw Patrol, and the internet is already taking it to let's do the Saw Patrol double feature. Yeah. Uh, there is a Paw Patrol movie coming out the same day, and now you know I might I might do it. I might be the double feature. I don't know. I'm a huge Saw fan. I will. I hate Paw. I I don't watch Paw Patrol. I'm. An I would adult. be surprised if you hated uh, it because you started to say that you hated it, and I'm like, I don't think you have enough interaction with yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't have enough knowledge of. <laughs> it's Paw not like Patrol people are forcing Paw Patrol down your throat. That's true. That's true. Um, but you are in the wrong I, demographic I, for it, admittedly. It's definitely not made. You for don't me. like fire trucks um, enough. <laughs> That's true. I hate them. Those I do hate. Um, Saw Patrol. Uh, so now, all right. Here's the other. Everything about Barbie is spectacular. I love Greta Gerwig. I love Noah Baumbach. He's one of my favorite directors. Who. If you haven't seen Francis Ha, I highly recommend it. It is a really, really I have seen movie. Francis Ha. And I actually wrote a song after uh seeing it. I don't oh, it wow. was it was on me and Nick's last album. Called oh, I Like to Swim. Right now, live on the pod. I like to swim. Yeah. It, it's not really it's not really like related to Francis Ha, but it was inspired it by that inspired same you to write a vibe, song. yes. Yeah. Okay. It's basically um, a song yeah. where the the narrator is telling a person to break up with them. It's like I don't let me bock you down. Just go do your own thing. Leave. Gotcha. Um, yeah, uh, I love Greta and I love Noah, and they co-wrote Barbie together, and Greta directed it, and Greta is a fantastic director. Um, and this movie, I feel like studios are going to get. I've seen so many like murmurs of a mattel cinematic universe kind of deal yeah this is a great movie but what it will spawn is terrible is bad exactly yeah so that is my concern whereas we have stuff like marvel that is spawning so many entries that are all wonderful in their own way (laughs) that i jordan is a phase five hater he hates quantum mania he hates Guardians 3, probably. I will say this, though. I think I went into it with an open heart. I think I was looking. I was saying, Marvel, 
go ahead. And I tried, but... For Phase 5 or Secret Invasion? For Phase 5 generally. Okay. Because Phase 4... Phase 4 is so interesting because starting with... Like, Black Widow is one that I just can't... All right. It's... It was really great to watch for the first time because it was the first Marvel movie that I saw in a movie theater in two years. Um, And I just had... There was no content. There was just TV shows, which were great, like WandaVision and Loki was out at that time. Uh, And then you get Shang-Chi, which is good. And then you get Eternal. I think all the movies that year get better. Hmm. Started like Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and then uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And then you have Multiverse of Madness, which I love, love, love. I don't know if it's quite as good as No Way Home, but it's probably my second favorite of Phase 4. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Love and Thunder, which is a bit of a dip. Uh, a little bit. Not not like a steep drop-off. No, um, but I definitely... The parts that are bad about it are kind of what I've taken away from the movie a little bit. Like, I don't remember all the good stuff as much as I remember the bad stuff for Love and Thunder. And you, I feel like, were praising that movie more than I thought you would because you loved the Shadow Planet. Yeah, there was stuff in it that I liked, and that's definitely what I was focused on at the time. But, like, the further I get from it, the more the rest of it. Yeah, I'm curious. I just finished, um, I just watched Endgame in my rewatch, had my, my annual cry. Um, and I'm coming up on Far From Home. Gonna watch that at some point this week. And I'm curious how the ones that I haven't seen uh, as many times, like how how Thor will stack up. I'm really excited to rewatch Multiverse of Madness because I watched that four times in theaters and then have not watched it since. And I'm very excited to revisit it. Um, Love and Thunder, I feel like, might be one. Although none of them, I gotta say, I had to rewatch Ant Man and the Wasp, which I think I mentioned maybe on the last podcast. That one, next time I watch it, it's gonna be the bottom of my list. It's gonna be below Incredible Hulk. Right now, it's right above Incredible Hulk. I can't do Ant Man and the Wasp anymore. I, it, it's. You want to hear something I know crazy? That movie wasn't okay. Have, did you watch it <laughs> recently? No. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking of rewatching Incredible Hulk. I told you you should. I think at one point I vowed to never watch it again. You did. but <laughs> And I told you it would be really great if you... That was my goal on the podcast, and it still is. I have had a lot of, uh, I think, retrospective... Uh, increased <laughs> enjoyment of Phase 1 movies. Okay, I think, I think sure, because you see how far we Mostly Captain America. Yeah, Captain America is the big one where... Captain America 1 is spectacular and is just shocking that that movie ages so well. It did some stuff that irritated me the first time I watched it. But after having yes. spent more time with old Steve Rogers, yeah. I appreciate it more. And the stuff that <laughs> so I don't that like you... about it, I know is coming. I still don't like it, but it's just like it doesn't bug me as much because it's not the first time I'm seeing it. Yeah, I don't even the stuff you don't like. I don't understand that that one. You know that'll be a divide. But Incredible Hulk, it's on Disney Plus now. You really have no excuse not to watch That's what I'm it. I'm saying I'm, I might I might rewatch it, which I never you thought I'd say. I know. I think you should. Now that you've spent all this time with Mark Ruffalo, you want to get back to know Edward Norton. They should just they should just deep fake it. Just put I Ruffalo's mean, the movie face on already. There. 
the movie is already like edited pretty roughly, uh, so I think you could kind of get away with that. And uh, no better time to watch that because. Um, the villain at the end of Incredible Hulk, which you have not watched in six years, uh, is um, What's-His-Face from A Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes. Um, um, one of the villains, not Eli Roth, who came back in She-Hulk and was spectacular. Um, yeah, I can't think of this Tim, actor's name. Tim Blake Nelson. Yep. Yeah. Um, he is the one of the villains in the new Captain America movie. Okay. Interesting. Uh, because... Uh, the Hulk spilled blood on him, and he—the last shot of him in the MCU is his brain or his skull, like morphing, because it has Hulk blood on him. Um, and Mark Ruffalo will be in it, and so will uh, the Red Hulk. Um, so there's going to be a lot of, lot of stuff. Mark Ruffalo uh, that that movie can set up for. is one of the best parts of the MCU. I like, and him I think a lot. it's partially because he's never the star. He's always just a he. He's, yeah. Whenever he comes, he's just like adding that MCU little element, and he never overstays his welcome. Yeah, I wonder how he would do leading a movie, like, because all yeah, the, that is the best part about him. Like he's just the side guy, and he always does. Yeah, great. I mean, and that used to be the same way for Black Widow, but. I know Black. See, Black Widow didn't need her own movie, or if she did, it should have come out six years before yeah. it did. That movie would have done uh, a lot better. Yeah, that that movie would have killed in Phase One or Phase Two. That I I would have such high esteem for that movie. Is there anything in uh, that movie that makes it so you couldn't switch up the order? Like I know you watch them as they come out, but if you were in your, yes. could you put it back? And say that it happens. Yeah, like, just like in phase next one time you're going through your loop, can you put it like after Doctor Strange or something? Um, it technically takes place after in after Civil War. So that's where you'd want to put it. So yeah, in that zone, if I would have to put it in Phase Three, which I still think because Phase Three is so strong, aside from Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, that I think that it would stand out. And it's crazy that Phase 3, now that I'm thinking of it, is all bangers except for Ant-Man and the Wasp, in my opinion. Um, so Black Widow would be, like, another kind you of know, stain. Which is why I'm I'm more okay with these movies, like, and TV shows not really clicking until we get to Phase 6, and then it's all, it should all be, the build-up should be paying off, and it should be 90% hits. I'm okay if they take a couple missteps to get Think there. about how much better... Ant-Man would be in the same kind of spot that Mark Ruffalo is in. Like, if you only see Paul Rudd every once in a yes, while, and he's funny, 100%. and he's, like, a little dose. Th- the Russo brothers are the only people who know how to... Like, Peyton Reed doesn't know how to make him funny. Except in Quantumania. I think he's genuinely funny in Quantumania. And the world does not understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's really good, and especially... Uh, just compared to like these movies, the worst they can be is boring. And Ant Man the Wasp is so boring. Black Widow is kind of boring. I don't know. I feel like Black Widow is gonna also just continue to drop kind of like a rock every time I, every time I watch these, I reorganize my list, and then we have Thanksgiving, and my list shifts around a little. But bit. you don't like when they turn that building into a rolling suitcase. I do not. Huh. <laughs> Uh, I just think that whole, like, 
the the hype like the the big moment is when he gets big to pick up that building suitcase off a boat and Tim Heidecker is there for some reason uh and then he shrinks immediately and that's kind of like the big climax of the movie and it just it just sucks yeah <laughs> it's just uh not I'm going to rewatch it every year though you know I I I I this is my promise to Marvel that maybe one day I will find some good in it. There will be some movie that retroactively makes that one better, which I think is part of the reason like Captain America 1 is so good on rewatch is because we've dealt with everything. Like that Steve Rogers has had such a good I think we should put together an episode that is a Marvel starter guide. Like what is the, like separate the wheat from the chaff. What are the ones that I need to see to get caught up basically? To, like, catch up on the entire MCU? Yeah. Like, if they were to jump in on the next yeah. movie? Yeah, and I think the list... I think it would be great if we could get it below... I mean, 10 just doesn't seem doable. Getting it to 10 seems too low. <laughs> there are 42 projects. I know, but asking... Currently. If you're if someone's trying to get caught up and you ask them to watch 20 movies, it's like, that's a big ask. But they did it for Infinity War. And I feel like people will do it for... Uh, Kang Dynasty. I just know that, like, my so, dad has occasionally been like slightly interested in Marvel, but he's like, I don't know. There's a lot of them. Yeah. If I was going to give him ten, I'm, I'm, what ten would I get him? Like, obviously, you'd have like I would cut out Age of Ultron. I think you have to have Avengers One, Infinity War, and Endgame. But I, I think you could cut out Ultron. You could cut out the Ant Man's. You could cut out. Cut out all the Ant Man's. All the Ant Man's. Yeah, I mean, the problem with cutting out these movies is there's just even though you definitely don't need the entire movie and you could get by with a five minute synopsis of the movie there is a key plot point in all of those movies that contributes to the next one so civil war happens because well maybe ultron's the most the easiest to get rid of but they mention like hey hulk destroyed a city we need to have like sokovia accords we could just we Ant could do a Man. special episode though where we provide the context. Yeah. It's like this oh, this like is the episode. Go watch this movie. When you're done, come back yeah. and we'll explain everything you need to know and then you can jump into the next movie. Yeah, I think we should totally do that. Especially since the next thing to come out is Loki season 2 in October. So, we're going to have a we're going to have some downtime. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then uh, at the end of the, that list, I think we go back and we give them the the movies that they want to watch if they want to fill in the gaps a little bit. So it's the ten sure. to give you the overarching story, and then and then yeah. you go back if you if there's more you want to watch, fine, you can watch the first Ant Man. Yeah, and if you uh, if you're really down those. bad for content, you can watch the second Ant Man, <laughs> and if you're really really down bad, you can watch the third. Well, at that point, that's just rank scheme, <laughs> and we're telling them what the best one. That's are. true. <laughs> Which, um, but I do like the idea of like a a tour guide through the MCU and what to watch to get people ready for the next right. thing. Um, yeah, that 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 could be fun. Um, should we talk about Secret Invasion? I guess. I yeah. Um, all right. My takeaways from the show i gotta say i the first episode i was super hooked um 
I think the setup for this is stellar. Um, and then the execution of it, just it kind of dropped on my list. So why don't I go ahead and start my start with my rating and my ranking, my current ranking. I think it started at like high 20 like 29ish out of 42 and it is currently dropped to Oh wait, no, it was higher. Sorry. It was like 25 mm-hmm. and now it is number 30. So it didn't drop that so much. What what is it what is it what were its neighbors? What is it better than what is it worse than? I think it is slightly worse than the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. And I think it is slightly better than Moon Knight. I feel like that might change when I rewatch Moon Knight soon. Interesting. Um, I like the performances in this show quite a bit. I like the... I, I don't know. I like Rhodey a lot. I think there's some plot stuff that does not work for me as much. And I think there is... I don't know. There's some interesting decisions made. Like, the action just doesn't look as good as some of the other shows. And also, I guess, to to jump to the end a little bit, it is weird that they made the show She-Hulk, which a lot of people hated. Uh, I loved it. I think you also were quite fond of Mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. Um, I think it got a bad rep, and the ending of She-Hulk basically makes fun of the ending of Secret Invasion. Uh, And it is so weird that I don't know if this was already in production at that point, like that had already, that box had already been checked, but I hope it's not the case of like the Star Wars effect where, oh, the internet didn't like this, let's give them what they want, and then the internet's like, we don't want that even though we said we did. Well, that's always the way. That's how World of Warcraft ruined itself. By listening to the fans. And then they re-release Classic and everyone's like, this is great. And then they're just going to ruin it again. Just the internet. The internet is just a a horrible place that makes all of our lives so much, infinitely easier. But I got to confess something here. All right. How much did you watch? That was my next Three episodes. Okay. All right. Is that more than Moon Knight or the same? It's the same. It just got to that same thing where I was like, I was watching the, the... play in front of me and i was just like i just can't with this okay honestly if you can give these shows the shows that you don't like if you can get halfway through them i think that i just think that six episodes is the worst length for a tv (laughs) show to be like it's not long enough to be a tv show and it's too long to be a movie and not loki though loki was good despite that like I think, although Loki is also about to have six more episodes, I know. So. But like, I just think, make it eight or ten, or make it three. I feel like you could do three. Well, Daredevil six is just Daredevil Born Again is going to be uh, eight, eighteen, two sets of nine episodes. See, that's like a TV show though. Like, like it's a serial. It's a set of stories that build yeah. to a bigger story. But six episodes is just short enough that you can't just have episode episodes. Where it's just like, here's like a little thing that happened. You have to, it all has to be moving the main plot along, but it's also slightly too long to be a movie. So like it draws out a story 
so you get details too slowly and then someone like Jordan gets boring watching it at episode three because <laughs> I just don't have the patience for it to build back into momentum to actually carry me through whatever conclusion they want me to see so well and and similar to Moon Knight which I also the internet fucking loves Moon Knight I don't get I mean I think Oscar Isaac's wonderful I kind of feel the same way about Moon Knight that I do about this show wonderful performances and conversations and stuff but everything else about the show i'm just so i think moon knight it just has a better power fantasy for people you have a cool costume and there's like a part of you that you can't control i feel like there's a certain type of edgy nerd that that really resonates with it's like oh the dark parts of me yeah that's entirely true that could be it um yeah so secret invasion um my ranking so if I put this behind the Guardian's Christmas special, uh, which I gave it a four, and I gave... Honestly, I'm probably going to give this the same score as Moon Knight. I'm going to give it a 3.83. 3.83 Avengers sitting at the table. Um, and they are... Uh, let's put Nick Fury there, because even when he's out, he's in. Um, fun quote. Uh, (laughs) And uh, let's say Robin Scherbatsky, Maria Hill. uh, Pour one out. Rest in peace. Um, And Talos. Talos. um, Ben Mendelsohn, who's just fantastic in this. I think he's really great. This also, like, I guess you didn't get to it, but Ben Mendelsohn dies. Okay. Um, so this is the first time, not that Maria Hill was going to continue to do stuff for the MCU, but this kind of felt like the first time that there were actual casualties within the MCU that characters like won't come back. Kind Except of for Coulson. Where, what do you mean? Coulson's, Coulson died and then he came in a show that I don't think is canon. I guess from my perspective, he just died then. Yes, he dies in Avengers, and then they have the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show that is not canon, to my knowledge. Wait, so is he alive in that? He is. He comes... He says that his death was, like, a fake, so the Avengers wouldn't know that he was still alive, or the the enemies of the Avengers wouldn't know, or whatever. <laughs> and he, he's, he's, like, super secret clearance. Kind of like Samuel L. Jackson when he fake dies at the beginning of Winter Soldier. Interesting. Well, I did not know that he... I thought that was a consequence that happened. A, a casualty. Uh, I mean, you can say that if you just watch the movies, and I don't think that shows canon, so I think that that is a fair assessment. Hmm. Like, totally fine. Um, so what, what are the takeaways that okay. I need to know as someone who's going to watch more Marvel right. stuff but is probably not going to finish this show? Oh, that's why you wanted you had an alt you had an uh, an ulterior motive. Yep. <laughs> um, well, let's well let's just go through the episodes that you did watch, and then we'll get to the other stuff. Um, so you watched. We talked about episode one. Knocked that out. Episode two. When did you watch these? Uh, yesterday. Okay, so I feel like the big part of episode two is. Uh, they reveal scrolls are living on Earth. Um, Nick Fury is framed for shooting Maria Hill, even though it was a scroll. Um, he meets with Rhodey, who is the uh, like an army colonel. He's like the uh, 
guy, the point of contact for the president um, when it comes to military stuff. Um, and in that scene, he calls Nick Fury Nick, uh, and they make a big point of that. I just rewatched Captain Marvel. Um, nobody calls him Nick, okay. if you remember that. Um, so already, like, it already seems like he's being evil because he's not being like Rhodey in mm-hmm. that scene. But you kind of have further proof, like, oh, he called him Nick. Nobody calls him Nick. That's a little nod to Captain Marvel. Um, and then you have, it's just a really great set of, I liked this a lot and I felt like this show was building really well when it's just the two of them like facing off and they're having just such a great conversation in this mm-hmm. diner. Uh, then it is revealed that Fury has a wife who is a scroll, mm-hmm. which, you know, he really likes the scrolls. So I think this tracks for him. That's all fine. Um, thoughts of episode two. It seems like you, you stuck with it through two. So you must've enjoyed yeah. it. I, I mean, it was okay. it was fine. It wasn't like at this point though. You really should be reeling me in. Like I, I should be like, how is this going to resolve? But at this point, it feels like they're still drawing you deeper. They're not like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not anxious to hit the play next button. Like if I was watching these as they came out weekly, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah. man, how am I going to wait till next week? Because it's like, oh well, his his sure. he's married to a scroll. That is a reveal, but that isn't. I <laughs> yeah. don't know. I was more just interested in the, like, oh, what's Scroll Roadie up to? That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, okay. And then three is kind of like the biggest espionage one. That's the one where him and Talos, like, stop the submarine from blowing up. Is that correct? I uh, do not remember a submarine. Maybe I'm, maybe not a submarine. Maybe I'm confusing that with the new mission. They were on the train. Maybe. They were on a train and... Uh... The Royal Navy is launching missiles at United Nations aircraft. That's what it was. Okay. Um, and Talos shapeshifts or whatever uh, to get them in there. What do you think of Olivia Coleman in this so far? Also? Well, I love Olivia Coleman generally. Um, I thought. Yes. I think she's yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean, I, she had a I good, like, like kind of I... unhinged thing going, cut off that dude's finger, which yeah. also felt like a little bit like, wow. That's kind of metal yeah. for Disney to yeah. show the finger. Pretty cool. Like to, for it to happen Pretty off screen cool. feels like classic Marvel, but for her to show it, but that's how you get the like yeah. you know the transformation. That's how you you find out that yeah. they're scrolls. Yeah. Um. So three ends with Daenerys, uh, Daenerys uh, of Game of Thrones fame, getting shot. Mm. If I remember correctly. Is that right? Do you remember that? Did you make it to the ending of three? I didn't. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, I so made it. I made it Gravik... close to the end. Uh, <laughs> and then what happened? Well, and then Ellie looked over at me and she's like, "Are you watching this?" Because like I didn't seem engaged, <laughs> and I was like, "Nah, okay. not really." And I turned it off because <laughs> she just revealed uh, to me what, what she... I already knew, which is that I did not care. <laughs> Because she's like, tell me what is uh, happening right now. And I was like, I can't do it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm bored. Oh, man. Wow. Do you really hate Phase 5? Doesn't this make you yearn for Quantumania, though? No. Quantumania is still bad. <laughs> it makes me yearn for, you know, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, what a good movie. But doesn't this, and you already liked Eternals, but don't, like, doesn't this make Eternals, like, really, really good? It is. Eternals... It's a story. It might be like a slightly overly long 
story. I feel like they could have tightened it up or something. But it is a story, and I was at no point was I just like, what else do I have to do today? Like thinking about what chores <laughs> I have. I think Eternals is very good, and people were too mean on it when it came out. I think that movie will stand the test of time. It is also one of the better rewatches within the MCU. Right. Tell me what happens with the rest of Secret Evasion. What did All I right. miss? Okay. Episode three uh, ends with uh, Gaia, who is the son of Talos, who is played by Daenerys. Yes. Daughter is what Emily I call Clark. Him. Yes. Daughter of Talos. Um, she is shot by Gravik. Who is the guy who shot? Maria who is in Hill. Barbie? This guy's just killing a whole. He is. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, um, he's killing a lot of people in the show. A lot of good guys. Um, so ending of three is like, oh no, um, Emily or Amelia Clark's dead. Is it Emily or Amelia? Amelia I think. Clark? Okay. Um, and it is revealed at the beginning of four that she. Uh, in a flashback, used Gravik's machine um, that had extremis abilities from Iron Man 3. Um, if you recall, the fire people who are invulnerable to bullets and such, mm-hmm. and it uh, causes like healing and stuff, but, but it also causes people to explode. Um, so she has extremis abilities. Um, and then Talos... Talos or Talos? Uh... He, I feel like I'm it should be Talos, but they said Talos like every time. So that's clearly what they uh, yeah. All right. go with. So Talos is Ben Mendelsohn. Um, him and Samuel L. Jackson are still hanging out. Um, and everyone is... Okay, so Samuel L. Jackson's wife dresses or disguises herself as a, a person, a, a, another person. Um and is instructed to kill Fury, but she is a double agent because she's Fury's wife. Um, and Fury's like, oh, I can't trust you anymore. And then she's like, no, baby, it was a double cross. Um, all this ends with a huge showdown where they are trying to... Oh, wait, maybe that's... No, that is it. I think that is it. Um Talos, like, there's a huge motorcade of vehicles um, protecting the president, and Rhodey, or Gravik, orders a strike on it, and Talos is killed in the crossfire, um, and that's a pretty cool action sequence. A whole bunch of cars explode. Um, I think the people that made Secret and- Invasion should have to listen to this part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to see why uh, this show did not keep my attention. It's just like a thing happened and a thing happened and a thing happened. It is a lot of plot, yeah. that's for sure. Um okay, so they the goal of Gravik, the over overarching achievement he hopes to <laughs> do yes. is take <laughs> over the earth. A horribly phrased sentence. Yes, there are a million scrolls on Earth. He feels betrayed because Nick Fury has not given him... Uh, he, he promised his people a home. Right. And the scrolls are having to live uh, on Earth at disguise. They're not able to be themselves. Um, so he feels like Nick Fury let them down. 
Gravik is like, okay, I'm going to kill the humans, and then I will live on Earth. So all of his moves want to uh, inspire or cause nuclear holocaust, because the Skrulls can live in nuclear wasteland just fine. Um, so he kidnaps the president, or tries to kidnap the president, launches an attack on the president, and Rhodey is like, hey, Mr. President, see this attack? Because remember, Rhodey's mm-hmm. a scroll. He's like, hey, uh, Mr. President, they attacked us. We need to nuke them. And every chance he gets, he is pushing, trying to convince the president to nuke. Um, and Nick Fury's like, you can't believe Rhodey. He's a scroll. And the president's like, I don't know who to believe. Fury, you're, you're out of line. You're a wild card. And I don't know if I can trust you. Rhodey is my uh, colonel of army affairs kind of deal um so also what uh gravik hopes to accomplish is he's looking for something called the harvest um so in the comics there are these things called super scrolls which uh take the powers of certain avengers so they can shapeshift into the avengers and then they can have powers of the avengers they take the uh persona of um so Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. has this thing called the Harvest, which dur- after the battle in Endgame, scientists and... Or, sorry, it's Saber now. It's no longer S.H.I.E.L.D. Saber went in and got all of the blood from the battle that they could find and DNA you, and used it to replicate certain Avengers' powers. Hmm. Um, and it is in this vial that has a whole bunch of DNA in it, and that is what... Gravik wants. So he can become a super scroll and uh, basically fight, kill mm-hmm. everyone and just be, you know, the toughest on Earth. And the whole time I, everyone keeps asking, like, hey, Fury, why don't you call an Avenger over here? And I guess it's fair he doesn't want to do that because he can't trust anyone and scrolls, you know, shapeshift but still, you know, it could have been cool to have an Avenger come in and help here. It would have been a nice boost for like, the show. Okay, uh, so just as an outsider, the premise of a show where you have shape-shifting aliens who are trying to get the world to nuke itself by preying on the natural uh, divides between people, yes. that could be a good movie. Yeah. I think it's yeah. worse when it's six episodes because now they just had to add in these other contrivances to keep the story going. But that you you lose that central thing, which is that there's this nefarious character who's trying to dupe the world into destroying itself. I think especially right now, you could actually make a, a very poignant and timely story about that plot line. Yeah. I think that the six-episode formula uh kind of like you know i feel like they had to add a whole bunch of stuff that they might not have needed yeah i wonder if you could even save this with like an edit like could it could someone make this into two hours just keeping like the graphic parts trimming away some of the i don't know uh i think i think it would be a fine 90 minute to two hour movie the only problem is uh, it would be like black widow Mm. caliber basically um so the show ends in the exact same way they make fun of in (laughs) she-hulk with a huge power showdown 
between. Uh, they've exposed Rhodey as a scroll. There's a cool hospital sequence where Rhodey, the president, is in the hospital uh, from the motorcade explosion, and uh, Rhodey is basically tracking him to or trying to convince him to launch nukes. And Nick Fury is like, uh, or no, it's Olivia Coleman helps him in the hospital and does some spy stuff. That's cool. Fury goes to approach Gravik, um, or so we think it's Fury. These two scenes are happening simultaneously. And Fury just goes into this nuclear, like, wasteland, and he's, like, taking medicine to deal with the nuclear, you know, the bad stuff that uh, nuclear fallout does mm-hmm. to humans. Um, and he's sickly. He's coughing a lot. And Gravik is like, why would you come here, you fool? How, like, how stupid are you? Uh, and then Nick Fury shapeshifts into Amelia Clark. It was a, a double cross. And then Nick Fury is secretly at the hospital and exposing Rhodey simultaneously, while Amelia Clark um, uses the Harvest to become a Super Scroll. And there is a huge fight sequence in which she uses several powers from Avengers that we have seen on the big screen several times, which is fun callbacks. Um, but she does it to defeat Gravik, who is also a Super Scroll, and it's just this huge action showdown that is the exact thing that they wanted to call out how dumb it was mm-hmm. in She-Hulk. Interesting. Um, and then uh, the end of the show is Fury goes to goes back on the ship that he landed in, um, and he takes his wife with him to help negotiate with the Kree so they can live on some Kree planets. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, hopefully that description made you want to watch it a little more. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I just like, do you think the people that were making the show were passionate about it? Were they excited about what they were making? Cause it just feels like this was an assignment. And then these people put together a passable show that was the things that the people said it had to be. But it doesn't feel like this came from a place of like, oh, I've always loved this series of comics. I think I can bring this to life. I think I've always wanted to see this character on screen. I can't wait to show them to everybody. It does feel like this could have been a better movie with a with more of a budget toward getting actors. Because uh, you have... Oh, it's I should also say... Uh, it is revealed at the end of the show that Rhodey and um, Martin Freeman's character have been... They, like, there's a scroll prison where they are mining their memories so they can be mm-hmm. their person um, and take take their form. And they are released from oh, yeah. this prison. Um, so if you get, I don't know, more interesting than Martin Freeman, or you plan it out a bit more, or even push this off and make someone a scroll and decide to make someone a scroll very early on and make several movies where you're like, hey, I know Taika Waititi, you want to make a funny comedy, but here's something you need to deal with. This person's a scroll and can't act how you want them to act yeah. ever. Um, which I understand that's hard to do. There's a lot of moving parts to this entire franchise. Um, so. Um, I mean, I can't give it a rating, I feel like. uh well, you gave Moon Knight a rating, so I think you're going to okay. find a way. Um, my other big complaint here is the internet... The director of this, who directed all six episodes, 
says he believes Rhodey was a scroll since Civil War, which makes absolutely no sense. And since then, it has been retconned. Like, the internet has been like, no, he wasn't a scroll here, here's why. Um, so it is assumed that Martin Freeman and Rhodey were taken sometime post-Endgame by scrolls. Okay. Uh, and imprisoned and shapeshifted. But the fact that the director doesn't know when one of the co-leads of his show was taken to become and you know swapped out with a more or less you know an alien version of him like if he was a scroll since civil war why would he have helped the avengers all this time you feel like he would have been sabotaging like when thanos shows up that's what he wants he wants more people less people yeah. on earth like there are so many opportunities for rody to be like oops i led vision right to thanos and now he can take his stone yeah um, like again it's Rody just like has, the director himself doesn't uh, sound that engaged with the project. Like he's he's coming up no. with these explanations for what happened just because that's what his job is right now. It's like, well, I got to. It's not because he's passionate. He was given this assignment, yeah. dove really deep into the source material, rewatched all the movies, like looked at every single instance where all these characters showed up to make sure that he has everything down. Like it just seems like a guy doing a job, work for hire. Yes. Which is also a bit of a shame, just because this is a very popular comic that a lot of people like. Um, and for, you know, it just for the passion not to replicate. That should honestly... I... Hmm, how to... I don't know, just... That needs to be a prerequisite. That the people... Because the people who wrote Civil uh, McFreely and the other guy... Like, the writers of... Uh, multiverse of madness and endgame and infinity war and civil war are all super yeah. nerds and and those projects work so mm. well i think it should be a prerequisite you should although but then you get chloe zhao who's probably you know never read a comic before she got that gig yeah i think you which is cool to have that take on eternals like to have a non-nerdy like family drama yeah i think you need the someone who's at least excited about the project like and i she at least yeah. brought that to it i think she was excited to to work within that space even if it wasn't a space that she was used to i think the best though uh -huh. is to have someone who's both used to this space is ingrained in superhero stuff and is also yeah like like yes. james gunn james gunn is like the perfect yes. example but he, and also um, he has the benefit of like i think the other thing you could run into is sometimes people who would take it too seriously who are not but like james gunn yeah. isn't afraid to play in the space and be weird with a character or something no. whereas someone like i i think the yeah. counter would be like jj abrams making a star wars movie where it feels like too referent like he's just doing the exact same thing again because i don't know he that's what he thinks it should be but I think you need someone who's excited yeah. about doing a thing, isn't afraid to break some rules, but also is going to break those rules in a, a way that feels faithful to the people who are actually longtime passionate fans. Yes, for sure. Uh, it's also a shame. I just really like the vibe of this show. Like, I think the first episode, like him getting off the spaceship is a really cool shot. There's just a lot of cool... The way it's filmed, I really appreciate. I really enjoy. And, like... The directing, like, he's getting some good performances out of these actors. It's just the story. Maybe it's whoever wrote this. Maybe they're to blame. Maybe the director's not at all to blame. Let's find out. 
Who wrote Secret Invasion? I was looking at the director's IMDb uh, page, and it's not really too much to write home about. No, they have a lot of the shows. Like, they have kind of nobodies directing mm-hmm. them a bit. Um, but it's like, can you not find, find an up-and-coming film pay- so many producers uh, up-and-coming filmmaker show. to do these? Like, it, it feels like they, you, instead of going for someone who's young and passionate, they keep going for journeyman directors. People who you can rely on to get the thing done and the time that you say it's going to get done. And I'm sure that's a very valuable thing, but it does not seem to yeah. be paying off. For uh, this doesn't even have a listed writer. <laughs> was it written it was by improv. Is that the problem? <laughs> oh, and then you, you're I mean, actually a scroll right now. Oh shit! Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm gonna do it as a scroll now. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe it's you know you can say it's written by AI. I feel like this could be something they blame on the writer strike if they didn't already know it was already you know in production before the writer strike. So, um, all right. So why don't you write this thing? Um, well, I'm bringing up my list. All right, so you gave Moon Knight a three out of six. I think this is worse than Moon Knight. Okay. Oh, I forgot to list uh, my... It's it's Bruce Banner is also at the table, and then Tiny Wasp, 0.33. So that's 3.83. So I have Moon Knight at 35. Okay. Oh, you have your letterbox now. People can follow you on letterbox. Okay, yes, that is also new. (laughs) Under Marv L sucks. Marv L sucks. You already have some followers. It looks like. Uh, so I'm gonna put it below Moon Knight because I just said it was worse, and that means there's yes, five movies that. that it could be, or six movies that I could put it ahead of. A real who's who of the Correct. worst. Do you like this? Do you like this more than Age of Ultron? No. I would say I'm gonna put this. Wow, you like Age of Ultron more than this. Age of Ultron still has that great intro scene. That's true. Do you like it more than the Guardians Christmas? The Guardians Christmas special is too low on your list. That's insane. There's <laughs> such a good soundtrack in the Guardians Christmas special. It is such a good well, soundtrack. Well, it's just weird to rank it among movies because it's not really a movie. It is a Christmas special, which is just supposed to be like a lighthearted romp. I mean, you put Loki at number four and WandaVision but, at but two. So no, I, I mean, they, like those were shows. Those. those had stories to tell. This really didn't have a story to tell. It was just like, you. these are our two funny characters. You want to watch and be funny? Uh, the story to tell is James Gunn is the best creator of soundtracks of all time. Extra, extra, <laughs> read all about it. I'd say I'm going to put this snugly between Quantumania and Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> oh, Wow. Oh boy. Um let's so you gave Quantumania two point five and you gave Ant Man and the Wasp a two. So I guess it would stand to reason that you give this a yep, two point. Sounds good. Okay. See, isn't this so much easier now that you have a letterbox? Yeah, it is a little bit helpful. I'm also looking at uh Captain America Winter Soldier. And this feels this show, yeah, number thirty. This show feels like someone took all the worst lessons from that that show. I mean, well, that's what Black Widow felt like to me. It took all the worst lessons from yeah. Captain America, and then this took all the worst lessons yeah. from Black Widow. Although this is better, I like this more than Black Widow. I, you should you should rewatch Black uh, uh, Widow. Uh, my memory of it, I still enjoy 
that scene of them hanging out. I enjoyed the escape scene. I think I just like um, Florence Pugh and David Harbour. She's great. Yeah, I like yes. them a lot, and I think that makes yeah. my uh, opinion of Black Widow maybe higher than it deserves to be. I like them a lot too, but you know what? I don't like rewatching that movie, but I will do it every every time. Um, all right, so our discrepancy here is one point five eight Avengers, um, and our composite is we have an average of three point zero four is the score for Secret Invasion. Okay. Um, moving our average. Let's see. Chain updating the spreadsheet. Everyone's favorite part of the show. Um, our average of the entire MCU together is a four point two five. Uh, so you know, still. But if we track the good. rate of change yeah. over time, which we do on this spreadsheet, no, no but like it would have been going up and up and up. That are like like what my That's... average would have been after Endgame is probably point four or five higher than what my average is now. Um, you mean with like Black Widow, like going into Black? Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, but this is Phase yeah. Four because Phase One, or Phase One, you know, not the best phase. Let's say, uh, looking pretty good four, right now. Phase One. Uh, oh, I don't know. I I think I would choose Phase Four. Wouldn't you? Certainly not for the. I mean, there was no TV shows then. If there were TV shows. But Phase 4 has the best TV shows. You must like Phase 4 more than 1. I think I'm, I'm, think I'm muddying up Phase 4 and 5. I, those, I feel like it's not been that five clear. Is, 5 has just been 3 mm-hmm. things. Quantumania, Guardians 3, and Secret Invasion. Yeah, okay, that's very mixed. Cause that's it. Guardians 3 is okay, but those other things are bad. Yeah, so if you, <laughs> if you have a... 2.5 and a 2.25 plus a 4.5 you really god guardians 3 only a 4.5 that's heresy i think that's about right um so you have a 3.08 average of phase 5 currently so that's about the 50% mark and mine is um by three, four point six one. So you know, not that bad. Um, I mean, it's been better, obviously, but the yeah, I think it's I think it's all gonna be okay, Jordan. I think it's gonna work itself. Out. I don't know. What what if they just gave up on the MCU? What if it just fizzled? Well, I'm curious what this because. Uh, Barbenheimer made so much money. Barbie is going to make a billion dollars for DC. Mario made a billion dollars. Um, Mario, which is a movie I don't like very much. Mm -hmm. We've already talked about it on this podcast. Um, Barbie is a spectacular movie that people are going to take the wrong lessons from. I do feel like studios are going to, at the very least, Disney is going to cut the brakes on all of the shows, which they've already kind of done after the reception to Mm -hmm. Quantumania. They now have pushed everything back, and there's a much more intense quality check that goes into... However, there's some stuff already made. So, Echo, the spinoff of Hawkeye, the Echo show, 
was already made. Uh, same with, I think, Agatha House of Harkness. Um, those got delayed. Agatha, I think, will turn out okay, hopefully. Echo, they're releasing all of the episodes in one day, so I feel like they're not that faithful in mm. that show. Which is not, you know, great to hear. Great for me, a Marvel fan, to hear. Um, and then the Marvels, I, the trailer's out. It's I hope it's good. I like Nia DaCosta as a director a lot. And I love Captain Marvel more than pretty much anyone I've ever met. So... Maybe that one will deliver. And I'm a then big next fan year, of Miss Marvel. Next May is... Yeah, so, and, you know, I think maybe this will be one for one I, for Jordan. One I for think Kate and Jordan. Miss Marvel and this show actually do a good job illustrating yeah. the stuff that I like and don't like. Because I don't think either of them are great shows. But I think sure. Miss Marvel, it felt like at least, you know, the lead actress... And, like, the other actors that played her family were excited and invested in the success of this project. Like, well, you like, you know, children coming of age stories, which that kind yeah. of is. Like, it's, it's kids hanging out in middle school But I just feel like it had, like, a, it had more fun than this. This was just drab and plotty. It certainly had more fun. This was uh, dark and gritty. Yeah, but also, like, Disney um, can't do dark and gritty, really. Like, even when they cut off a guy's finger, I don't know. I just don't... I don't... I think they can do gritty okay. I just don't think this was it. I do think there's some dark stuff in um, Loki. Like, that's a little bit dark. Even though it's very wacky and fantasy. Like, it's heavy sci-fi. But, I don't know, just... The whole Kang stuff in Loki is so menacing and I feel like as gritty as like the mature rated Marvel shows just because he's, you know, threatening the end of the world. Yeah, what a shame, though, because um, whatever they're going to end up doing with Kang, yeah, think, but like. I'm so curious. What do you think they do? Because he's in Loki. They've already filmed Loki. He's in it. Uh, and they haven't announced what they're doing like moving forward with him as an actor like do they keep him he's a villain like you don't people the public already hates him why not have you know people hate his character because he's a villain Hmm. i'm sure he's hard to work with though if he's like abusive to human beings that might be yeah i I don't know like maybe i feel like this is an opportunity to try to switch him out a little bit like even though yes they've already filmed it you could do some reshoots or something to kind of no, I don't think you mess with Loki. I don't think. I don't. Yeah, like I, I pitched at the end of the Guardians three episode. I think the High Evolutionary should be a Kang variant, and then he, it's just a million of him. Um, I think that would be really hmm. cool. Well, we'll see. Luckily, it's not um, our problem to solve. We will. It is not. They are. Uh... Because so Deadpool three is next year, and I think Deadpool three is going to be very good, and it's going to satiate a lot of nerds, and it will probably make like a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, and then Captain America four is, I think, going to be good, but that one might not be for the general public. But um, it's just an interesting time for Marvel as we build to Kang Dynasty, and with the writer strike, like I think Kang Dynasty was supposed to come out in. 
2025 originally, and now it's 2027. And I imagine that's just going to get pushed back more because every time one of these things doesn't work well, they go back to the drawing board and they're like, all right, what can we do to Maybe fix Maybe the this? writer's strike is a blessing in disguise for Marvel, though, a little bit. It kind of lets them get their ducks in a row. I guess they do have more time to do that. Like with the Kang stuff um, and all that. Just fig- And figure out what they're doing yeah, with shows I'm... and stuff going forward. I hope they just start making yeah, I... fewer, longer shows. More episodes. Well, more episodes, but I wouldn't mind the episodes themselves being shorter. Yeah, that would be... I mean, there's She-Hulk was 30 minutes and, and I, it was yeah, nine Yeah, I think episodes. that's a much better... What a, I, I, and I think you could even make that longer. What a fun longer. format. Then you just get... <laughs> you, you're demanding Well, I just want She-Hulk. like an episode of She-Hulk where she's just dealing... Like she's just in court... She's got a frustrating thing going on, mm-hmm. and then and then you have like an, yeah. an A plot, which is her dealing with this court case, and a B plot, which is her having to be the Hulk and stop this other thing. Yes. and then she juggles those two things, and then you have a classic like sitcom misunderstanding happen, Frasier esque, and then she's having to reconcile those yeah. two things at the same time. She Hulk is so good. Why don't people like it? It's so frustrating. Yeah. Well. That's the problem with Marvels. They have to please a lot of people. And uh they really do. yeah, it's it's just too many. The internet has gotten their tentacles on it. It's a shame. Like and now there's just too many voices. Cuz you would think that Secret Invasion is kind of what that kind of the person that hated She-Hulk might like. Cuz it's like just give me something like cool. Absolutely. And it's got shapeshifters it and yeah. it's it's gritty. It's not taking itself too far. It's not being silly. But at, yeah. at the same time it's also just being boring, so when it has a very engaging yes. premise, shapeshifters like... trying to nuke the planet. How exciting. It... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a Simpsons episode. Have you seen the Poochie yes. Yes. Uh, episode? Okay. So this is exactly how I feel about the Internet's reaction to all of this content. Um, they, like show itchy and scratchy to kids and like kids aren't watching itchy and scratchy at the time like the viewership drops so they're doing all these test screenings and asking the kids (laughs) like what do you uh what do you want in this show and they're just like they're like do you want this and they're like oh yeah that sounds really cool and like okay do you want this and they're like yeah that sounds awesome and then the 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 punchline of the joke is so you want a realistic down-to-earth show that's completely (laughs) off the wall and swarming with magic robots (laughs) and everyone's like yeah that sounds awesome (laughs) and that is what they seemingly did with this i saw something um and it was a clip of bill Hader, uh and he was saying that if mm -hmm. someone reads what you've written or whatever gives comments on whatever your creative work is they're normally right about mm-hmm. what the that there is a problem with something. Like if they point out something's not working, they're normally right. But whatever mm-hmm. their solution is is normally wrong. So it's, so it's like <laughs> if they if they point out that there's a problem with the relationship between two characters, they're probably right. But however yeah. they think you should solve that relationship is not it. You should go back to the drawing board and figure something wow. out. And I feel like that's true. That's such a good way to look like at when a it. critic yeah, says a something and sense. complains about a thing. It's like, yeah, there probably is something there, but whatever, like you know, make it more gritty, make it whatever is the wrong answer. Just go back to the drawing board because they've identified something. But you go back to the drawing board. Yes, I 
totally agree. That's kind of also how I felt when I wrote my book. I'm really glad I had an editor because editor, in hindsight, I had a lot of dumb ideas and I was just oozing with confidence because I finished this four-year yeah. project. And then she was very nice about it, but just like, no, you should do this and here's why. That's a dumb idea yeah. what you did. Editors, very uh, valuable. And very valuable. People really don't. Circles back to what we were saying earlier. Graham Coxon. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've made, um, what, 10 albums, and I probably had about three albums worth yeah. of material there. <laughs> <laughs> Zero yep. people to pull in your reins. Not enough people telling you, you need to write more Matchbox 20 yet. Yeah, music. everyone wants to hear Push. And you're everyone writing Shove. Push. Boy, boy, that night, everyone wanted to hear Push. Let me tell you. All right, is that um, it? Did we do it? Well, I guess... That, that was an episode of a podcast it's... about secret invasion. That's what that was mostly about, I would say. Mostly. And the Blur album and Matchbox 20 and Skrulls and Barbie. Um, oh, you need to rate Barbie on your letterbox. I do. And you actually need to put this secret invasion thing in your lineup because I know you and this is going to be like five movies down the line. You won't add any new ones <laughs> and you'll just use the list and you, you won't have any of those jumping off points uh, because you wouldn't have updated it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good uh, read. So harder to rank things. So you, yeah, you need to stay on it. So do it right now. It will take you 30 seconds. All right, as soon as I sign off. Uh, All right, well, I've been Jordan Peoples, and Marvel <laughs> has sucked. <laughs> that was a bit hyperbolic. Um, I'm Cade Weiberg, uh, BTWay, plug time, uh, the My Tour According to Rock Band, coming to Stanton, Virginia, August 8th. We will be at Red Beard. Be there or be square. Be there or be square. I assume Jordan will have posted this episode by then. Uh, And Jordan, it sounds like you don't have a job, so you should make the six-hour trek to just play Rock Band for a few Mm. hours and then drive home. Interesting. We'll see. All right. He might be there. We'll fill you in on the next episode, whether or not he shows up. Uh, Marvel does not suck. Right.